Imagine um, I decide to be radically generous with everything I have and my bank account has got a certain amount of money in it and I decide to be generous to all those who are around me. I can only actually give away as much money as I've got in my account. If I give and it never gets topped up, eventually I'm going to run dry and my generosity has limits. But imagine I'm independently wealthy. Imagine I've got some amazing great uncle or aunt who was the Bill Gates of something and I inherit all that wealth. Suddenly I can be as generous as I want to be because the interest is so great it could outweigh however much I wanted to give. I could give and give and give and give and give without any fear of running out because every time I gave the interest would just top it up all over again. And our relationships are a little like that. If I choose to love other people in my world, but I never receive unconditional love, and I don't really love myself, I can love and love, but that love is going to run dry. There's a limit to the way that I can love. But what if, like in the picture of wealth, I was independently wealthy in love. What if you and I lived from an experience of knowing that we were as loved as love could be, unconditionally loved, and that had nothing to do with us, the promise we made, or the behaviour. We're just loved. And if we knew we were as loved as love could be, we could give that love away, just all around us, because we're independently wealthy in love and even in times where we feel we've failed we could say but I'm unconditionally loved so I can still love and I can still give love away. Even in the darkest moments when we're face to face with our own humanity and our own frailty we can still be in the knowledge of I am completely loved. And because I'm completely loved and because I'm completely known, I can tell my story about how I've been loved and I can tell it to all the people around me. I can pass on that love in word and I can pass it on in action and thought and deed. Not to get acceptance from the world around us, but just out of a place of I am accepted and I am loved. Yeah. And that's what we're talking about with this series. We're saying... The Christian life is first to be awakened to the reality that I am loved. To then live a life of abiding in that love. And then out of the overflow of abiding in that love, to have loving service to other people. And to be independently wealthy and unconditionally loved we first need to understand that the focus of Christianity is not our shortcomings. Amen. The goal of a series like this is not to improve our behaviour so that we're more able 
to love out of our own gritted teeth and effort. We're not trying to be good enough. The goal isn't that we notice that we don't love like God and then we say, I'm going to work on that and love like God. That's not the goal. Of course, we want to love more and more like God. That's the desire of the believer's heart. I want to be more like Jesus. I want to love more like Jesus. I want to have solutions to the sick. I want to have prophecies to the brokenhearted. I want to bring hope wherever I am. But what you and I really need is not greater and greater and clearer challenge. Amen. We did 17 weeks on. We are new covenant people. We have been loved unconditionally through the life and the death of the finished work of Jesus. What we don't need is Christianity that's greater and greater challenge, clearer and clearer challenge. Be more like Jesus. What would Jesus do? Well, what would Jesus do? What you can't do. Apart from the Holy Spirit living in us and living in the same love that Jesus lived in. What we need to receive is unconditional love and more and more and more and more and more of grace. Grace that empowers a radical new life. What you and I need is a hope that meets us in the midst of reality. <coughs> 1 Corinthians 13, 12 says, Now I know in part. In other words, I know a bit about God. I know in part. But then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. You and I are fully known. He knows everything about us and unconditionally loves us. Sometimes we come to a meeting church and we've got our church face. Or if we don't feel we can get our church face, we think, I can't go to church. <laughs> because we just feel like, if anybody really knew, if anybody could really know me and really see me and knew what really is going on inside me, if anybody really saw the authentic, vulnerable me, they wouldn't want to know me. And yet the Bible says he knows us and fully knows us. He's not surprised by anything. And so he's not lifting a standard and saying, all right, you need to love like me. No, you need to receive a love like mine, is what he says. We need reality. Christianity is about reality. God became flesh. God became flesh, was tempted in every way, knows what it is to be fully human, and yet fully God, full of the Holy Spirit, just like you and me. And yet he never, ever sinned, but he understands the full weight of what it is to be a limited human being. He knows us. We are loved and we are known. And that this grace of God is precious and captivating. But it can only be gracious and captivating if we understand he sees me. He knows me. He unconditionally accepts me. He's not shocked or surprised by me. He understood who he was getting when he chose me and you. And so only as we have a clear understanding of unconditional love can we really get a clear image of who he is and who we are in that love. If we see him as, wow, you're, you're so good and so loving, but we see ourselves on a treadmill of performance, then we've not understood unconditional love that embraces us just as we are right now. 
See, if I can embrace me just as I am right now and know I'm unconditionally loved and known and seen, that catapults us out to love other people in all of their brokenness and inconsistencies and selfishness and all of the, the awfulness of what goes on in our world when we know he's loved me and knows me. Our experience of love becomes so great that we simply love God. Simply love God, that God is our inheritance. He's not a means to another end. It's not get a bit of Jesus and then we can overflow a bit of miracles. It's, he is the great inheritance. He is our portion. And so as we love God and we know he loves us, we're catapulted out because we love ourselves and then we love others in the same way. We overflow what we're abundantly receiving. So what is the love of God actually like? It's not like any human love. It's really interesting that the Greek language had a number of words for love. We just have the one word for love and we use it for everything. I love Ipswich Town. I love sweets. I love the cinema. I love food. I love God. I love my wife. I love my children. It's just one word and we just kind of group everything in. But Paul, when he was writing 1 Corinthians 13, wants to talk about a Greek word, agape love. It's Amen. a love that's it's the very nature and essence of God. He could Amen. have chosen different words for love, because he had different words he could have used. But he said God's love is agape. There were a number of words he could have used. He could have used this word for love, eros. Yes. It's a word that refers that we call it refers to what we call today romantic love or sexual love. It's a love that's a response to, 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 to someone or something that's, that's lovely or beautiful. It's often the kind of love that says, you make me feel. He doesn't talk about God's love in that way. Oh, you humans, you just make me feel. He doesn't use another word, which is filio which is a Greek word, which meant the kind of love between friends. Sometimes I love the, the quote by Danny Silk when he says, I love you so much because you remind me of me. <laughs> kind of the friendship love, you know, you would do anything for your friends, you've got history and story, and, yeah. and, and you're, you're, there's a filio, philanthropy, giving it away because there's something you're getting in return in this yeah. friendship. Yeah. And there's another word he could have used, storge which is a love we have for family, or people we've known all our lives. You know, blood is thicker than water. We love our family. But he doesn't. He uses this Greek word agape, love that is the very essence of God. God so agape the world that he gave his one and only son. It's, it's this affection that he has for people that he likes people, that he's devoted to people, not because of what he can get from people. I mean, God isn't like sitting in heaven feeling, oh, I just need that worship. Oh, Jesus, that worship was good. Holy Spirit, do you like it? Yeah, I feel so much better about myself now. I really needed that this morning. No, he, he doesn't love us for what he can get from us. It's not like he's looking at the world and thinking, you know when sometimes we say about celebrities and famous people and we think, oh, if, if Jesus could just get hold of him or get hold of, hold of her, he could really do something in the earth with their story and their influence. He doesn't need things from people. 
He just loves them. He's not treating people well because of how it makes him feel about himself. This love of God is not, agape is not just a feeling that God has. God so loved the world that he did something about the world. Not simply an affectionate feeling. God loves to show patience. It's an action. He loves to show kindness. He's always finding new ways to express his love for the good of others. It's caring and self-sacrificing commitment which shows itself in seeking the highest good of the one being loved. That's why Paul could say, this agape love bears no grudges, it keeps no record of wrongs, doesn't just love when we're deserving, but loves when we're undeserving, when we're dead, when we're dead in our sins. This agape love can reach you this morning. You think, well, I'm liking this love I'm hearing about, I'm just going to get my act together. I'm just going to do better. I think I, I'm going to show God that I want him by coming to church every week. You don't need to deserve this love. You just need to say, I want it. I want to be loved with this love. So this love that we get awakened to, that we abide in, starts to bubble up in our hearts. And we want to love others with the same kind of what love. We want to love the way that God has loved us. The way God calls us to act towards others is to love with the same love that we've received. It's self-sacrificing love. Agape love is behind all actions that put others first. It's a decision of the will to act in act for other people in their best interests, whether we feel like it or not, whether they deserve it or not, whether we like them or not. Let's just land here. To be independently wealthy in unconditional love, we need a life that connects with God's love every day. We need to be aware that we're unconditionally loved, not just in the morning when we might, what we call a quiet time and time when you might pray or might read your Bible, but an awareness of unconditional love that goes throughout the whole day. And that starts with an awareness that, God, you have in abundance what I ache for as a human being. The portion I need is found in you and in relationship with you and with you alone. As the deer pants for water, my soul longs after you. You have what I ache for. I need that love. I need to be aware of that love. I need to come and get that eternal source of love which is you. I want to be with you and near you and aware of you and conscious of you throughout the day. I need a convincing dose of the reality that God loves me. Because we're in a world of battered, aren't we? You know, you might be at work and people love you one minute and then they don't love you the next and you're the flavour of the month one time and then someone's gossiping about you. We get battered and bruised and hit and impacted by a world that doesn't know about unconditional love. That just could, might, you might, someone might call you their friend one time, then you're not their friend. You might have even known family members who loved you and then they push away from you. Because maybe you became a believer and they don't want to know you now because you're a believer. Mm. 
And so we need a convincing dose of this unconditional love all the time that gives unshakable confidence and value inside of us. I know I am lovable. I know a source of independent love that's independent of people's reactions and validation and my own performance. Amen. And so then we can love people because we're not trying to get something from people. Sometimes the church, we're trying to boost our own sense of ego by reaching out to people, but actually what we need is an overflow. I know I'm lovable. I've got something to give you. I know I'm accepted. I'm not trying to get acceptance from you. And then if there's pushback or reaction or rejection, it doesn't devastate us. We just come to God and say, little bit battered, little bit bruised, love on me, God. We need daily fresh bread to give away. Amen. Daily fresh bread. So we're not just telling people theoretically about the love of God. We're experiencing the love of God and we're breaking up a bit of bread and giving it away and going to get some more because we know where to get it from. Mm. We're not just telling people about a book we read 20 years ago that talked about the love of God. We're bringing the love of God into every room. Amen. So that when we walk into every room, we're confident of who God says we are. And we're confident that we are good news where we go because we are loved. And we're not trying to get anything from the room. Amen. Don't need your approval. I love it if you give it, but I don't need it really because I've got a source and a supply that's eternal. I know how to get it and I'm going to get it whenever I need it. Amen. If I have to rush into the toilet and go and get it, and I'll go there and say, God, I need you, then go back out. Because <laughs> we've got a supply. Amen. And so how do we receive this unconditional love? The gift of these spiritual practices... Sometimes we call them disciplines, practices, things that we do to abide in love. Things that lead us to connection to God, lead us to experiencing the love of God. A space where we experience unconditional love. And we know Bible reading, prayer, those things, fellowship, church. But how do you actually get energised in God? Because it's going to be unique for every single person here. What brings you alive in God? What makes you sense his presence? What makes you aware of his love and his presence and his goodness towards you? Mm. In a moment, we're going to spend a moment thinking about that. For me, I love walking by the sea. I love walking by the sea with Rochelle's mum and dad's place and the wind is blowing in the winter and it's cold and you just, and you, you just feel this sense of there's nothing around, there's no noise. I love reading the same kind of books again and again and again. I love listening to preachers. I love being in the company of people who are alive in God. I come alive in God when we walk around the city and we look at architecture and we zip into a, into a coffee shop and we begin to imagine and dream. I come alive in God when I understand that life is not divided between the spiritual and the secular, the whole of life is sacred. Come alive eating out, listening to music, being silent and still. I come alive watching sport documentaries. I love it. 
I love the stories of people who overcome, they come overcome injuries and they have this team spirit and they're believing for something, they come together and they're passionate and excited and I look at the crowd, I come alive watching those things, it stirs me, it encourages me, it invigorates me. How do you come alive? Maybe just let's spend a couple of moments, in what ways do you get energised? And then maybe if, you, if you're brave, you could shout someone out loud. What things do you love? What makes you just aware of his presence? <laughs>